This is the beginning of a whole new day dawning. Everywhere you look, you're gonna see happy detectives detecting. Inquisitive flatfoots, flatfooting, private dicks, dick. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now, this is going to take several years, as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And even if you have some trivia to disclose, our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's get started. She says, Patty, look at me. Do you know what I did today? No, but whatever it was, you should have showered first. You smell awful. That becomes a we- phrase that she says again that has more than that meaning. Yes. Is it a witness? Yeah. Witness in other places. And then um, Maddie's turn to cry. Yeah. Grace, that's a phrase that should be on a shirt. <laughs> yes. You smell awful. You smell oh, yeah. Well, you look awful. <laughs> you look awful. Oh, yeah. Well, you smell awful. There's a shirt. But anyway, yes, you smell awful is a phrase that she says to him more than a few times. David is so excited. He thinks that he has saved the agency. It's all going to go back to normal. I've put us on the map with Thornton Wellman, people that eat with utensils. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was talking to Ronald Reagan. The cat told me a joke. Hell, an hour ago, I was on the phone with Ronald Reagan. Cat told me a joke. Cat told me a joke. Now, first of all, before she breaks the bad news, she doesn't seem very excited that he just spoke with the president. I know, but with David, maybe she doesn't even know if he's serious or not. You know, she might not believe him. No, you know, he's always running his mouth. So she turns away. She turns sideways and says, I sold the agency. She can't look at him. Can't look him in the face with that one. What I noticed was Bruce's expression how it slowly changes. He doesn't do it straight away. It's just slowly as she's mm-hmm. telling him about the sale of the agency. So mm-hmm. he's like really trying, of course, as we know, to prove to Maddie that they can do this. He's so excited. He goes over there in the middle of the night to let her know everything that's been happening that day. She can't even look him in the eye. And I just can't believe that she's, you know, that all his hard work is now going to be for nothing because she's actually doing it. He's devastated. He's angry. He's done so Mm. much in one day to try and save her agency. And he gets a slap in the face, basically, a metaphorical slap in the face. And do you think that he kind of went over there because he had a sense? It's like he couldn't wait till morning. He had this urgent feeling, I think, to go over there because I think he could sense that something wasn't quite right. 
Maybe he had a sixth sense. Yeah, I think he did. And by the way, the close-ups on Maddie in the scene, she's got a full face of makeup, lipstick and everything. Is that how you go to bed at night, Grace? Yeah, it's like watching Days of Our Lives and Santa Barbara and all that. They wake up in the morning and they've got lipstick on. and Yeah, exactly. Bruce looks a little disheveled, a little dirt on him, looking looking pretty sexy. (laughs) I know. Look at you. Remember in the atomic commentary? Look at you. You look so sexy. A little dirt on you, a little messed up. (laughs) (laughs) I love that commentary. It's the best. I know. It's the best. By the way, you didn't laugh Um, at my joke. What was your joke? Sorry. When I said he had a sixth sense. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's got a sixth sense. Shut up. Good job, Grace. (laughs) I didn't put two and two together. I'm not that quick. That's all right. Not that quick tonight. Um, All right. So he's really upset, says congratulations, and he'll show himself out. This scene goes Mm -hmm. for two minutes only. Oh, see, and we get five minutes scenes with Mark Lynn Baker and two minutes with Maddie and David. Yep. And we mm-hmm. have a door slam. Yep, sure do. Can't miss and, that one. And did you notice a goof mm-hmm. in this scene? What? <laughs> I didn't, obviously. <laughs> okay. So he's angry with her. He storms out, slams the door. You hear his footsteps storm out and then they slow down. Oh, really? That's funny. So it's kind of a behind the scenes. Yeah, because he slowed down because he wasn't in the scene anymore. But the thing is that his footsteps were still being recorded. So he should have kept walking fast mm. out there. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Mm, I like that. I'll let myself out. That's a nice little blooper right there, Grace. Mm-hmm. You need to wear your, your AirPods more often when you're yes. watching yeah. these episodes. It's only lately because I've been mainly watching it on the YouTube channel so that I can easily pause, rewind without wrecking my DVD player because it's starting to play up now because I keep rewinding and pausing all the time. But because I've been watching it on my iMac, I use my AirPods and you can hear things that you can't normally hear. So it's it's, um, it's quite (laughs) ear-opening, eye-opening. Now, the other thing about this scene is I can't get over all the plants in her entrance. Yeah, I know. She doesn't seem to me to be a plant girl. <laughs> I know. She's got a million of them. Yeah, that's true. Gosh, I mean, how could you? Oh, you know what? I think some of those are the flowers that he sent, though, but not all of them. No, maybe not. Oh, oh maybe no, not. they just look like plants. But, yeah, but don't you think Maddie has a housekeeper that we probably never see that goes in there and waters all those plants? And she had a housekeeper in the, in the pilot. Maybe she doesn't. I don't know. Someone's got to care for her, although she's not home enough to do it. No, that's right. That's what I can't work out. It's amazing they're not dead. And when she went to Chicago, wasn't Agnes going in there and watering everything? Oh, that's right. That's right. Getting her mail. Yeah, she says to David, oh, nobody thought, I better go and check the house. And that's when he has a brainwave. He goes, oh, no, I'll go. And that's when he finds the mail at the front door and he realizes that she's checking her messages. And he suddenly has a key to her house and all. (laughs) (laughs) He gets a key out of nowhere in all of these times. Well, not this time. Half the time he's breaking into her house and just showing up like, uh, well, later. Later. Um, Yeah. (laughs) yeah. So when he wants to get in, he can. But sometimes he's banging on the door and, you know, acts like he can't get in. Mm. Very interesting. How'd he get in this time? But anyway, we'll get to that. 
So it's the next morning, he's back at Blue Moon, he's packing his stuff, mm-hmm. he gets his um, little figurines out of his Rolodex, his little Rolodex. Yeah, of course, another Rolodex. And mm-hmm. he does the fights between his figurines being, you know, the juvenile self, the juvenile David. And Yeah, it's like Godzilla and uh, Dinosaur or something. And Flyman, I think he calls him. So Maddie walks in and says, Mr. Pesto was serious. The drugs must be working. <laughs> Great mm. line from Mr. Pesto. So Agnes does her due diligence and runs into Maddie and, you know, makes her aware of what's going on with David leaving the company. But what does Maddie expect? I mean, basically in the beginning, that's what she told him that the agency was going to be gone. And he says, sorry about not giving you two weeks notice. And he goes, you're not mm-hmm. really that shorthanded around here, are you? <laughs> <laughs> and he holds yeah. up the hand. Oh, <laughs> and oh David. But I like these two lines when she says, Why are you leaving? Why are you leaving? Doesn't look at her when he says it. In other words, mm-hmm. why are you doing this? It's ridiculous. Yep. She's actually shocked. She never gave it a thought that he would leave. And now he's saying he's yeah. going to go and start a new agency. And that's when he presses his laser gun. Starting my own agency. Your own what? Addison Investigations. Sounds nice, doesn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. All his toys. And did you notice, I'll say it now, I was going to say it later, but did you notice throughout the episode, it's Addison Investigations, then it was Addison Mm -hmm. and Associates, then it's Addison Investigations. He keeps changing the name. I did not notice that. Because when Maddie came on and said, I want to work for you, it was Addison and Associates. But then later on in the episode, he says Addison Investigations again. So that's funny. Yes. Now, I'm sure you noticed this whole scene Single shots, uh, clearly Sybil's double. Yep. They're going back and forth. You know, she has the glaze over her, very filtered. He's crisp, but you get the back of Maddie and the hair looks different. You know, I think it's the double that he's acting to. I don't think they're together at all here. Yeah, I've written here, it is so obvious this scene is total single shots. There is no shot of them together at all. And she's not really looking the right way. You know, she's just kind of staring straight ahead. You know what I mean? She's not like looking at him when he's at the door leaving. I noticed that too, but she is turned around because the background is that ugly painting he's got on the wall. Still, it doesn't seem like she's looking in the doorway. No, she's just kind of like gazing straight ahead. It's not like when you're looking at someone, like really connecting with someone in someone's eyes. She's just, Mm. it's like shoulders up. All of those with Sybil are like shoulders up, close ups, you know. Yeah, they're kind of the the same shot, but yeah, she's turned a different way, you know, now looking towards the door, but yeah, she's not really looking at him or engaging with him. Yeah, yeah, it's total. They're not in the same room. Like even when he picks up the box from his desk and walks to the door, he should have like kind of passed her. They should have been in that same area, but she's not there. So he's got his box of just toys, basically, you know, that's all he had to pack. He sees he's got an appointment with an important client and he puts this rubber fish in his pocket. That adds credibility, Mm -hmm. doesn't it? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. And when he leaves at Agnes's desk, someone's standing there with the newspaper open. So like, you can't see if Agnes is there or not, basically, which is probably not. Yes. I noticed that too. Whenever there's a scene from David's office out into the main office area, there's always somebody standing at the podium. (laughs) Yeah. He says that the Rolodex thing has turned into a real bonanza for him. So he walks Mm -hmm. off to the doorway, he turns back and says, I had a good time. It's too bad. It's a, a sad little ending if that was the end of it, you know, of them yeah. working together. Yeah, I think at this stage he's over it. He's a little bit cold. I know. He's figured out she really doesn't give a shit and I'm out of here. 
And neither does he. Yeah. And he's just um, taking her, he's calling her bluff pretty much like, all right, you want to end it? Bye. Not going to talk you into it anymore. And she said, well, you know what? When she, she's always trying to get rid of him, but when he goes, she can handle it. Yeah. Now David goes to see Wellman to try to convince him that he needs him as, uh, you know, his personal detective, I guess, over Lula Sal. Yes. And he's sneakily made an appointment, making Eddie's from Interpol. He didn't mm-hmm. want to wait three weeks for the appointment. So he's told Thornton Wellman yeah. straight away who he really is. And again, we have the no shaking of the hand. Yeah, that's right. He just has his hand out there. Well, this time Wellman's trying to shake it, but David won't, where it's usually David and Maddie trying to shake, but the, the people don't shake their hand. Well, they're both trying to shake each other's hand, but they never shake. At the beginning of the scene, David's saying to him that he's looking for some backing for his agency. And mm-hmm. Wellman says that, well, we have a whole department that deals with venture capital. And mm-hmm. in the same sentence, he says, you know, you know what? You're a very clever man. I'll have my secretary give you an application on your way out. So yeah. what was that for? Was that for to work for Wellman or for the venture capital? I'm not quite sure about that. Or was he trying to get rid of him? Just saying that? Yeah, I don't know what, what yeah. application David would fill out. Yeah. All right. So David tells him that he found the Rolodex. Uh, I'm the one who found you your Rolodex yesterday. But what he doesn't realize is that Thornton has received an extortion note, $50,000 cash, or your Rolodex will be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Now, Wellman is very suspicious. So we go through all this dialogue regarding Phil West and how he's called in sick. Now, this is my problem, Shauna. What's the problem? Okay. Tell Shauna now. This episode I've worked out is a six-day timeline. So it actually goes over six days, right? Okay. Now, Day one is the robbery. Day two, nothing. Day three is when David and Phil meet in the bar and he says he's called in sick and he says it's his first day off sick in six years and they meet in the pawn shop and they go to the dump. Okay. Now. Wait a second. Let me ask a question. Yes. You say day one robbery, day two, nothing. Day three, they meet. Why day two, nothing? Because it was the night before, right? No, because Phil says in the bar that a couple of nights ago they were robbed. Okay. Okay. So I'm okay. assuming it's yeah. not the night before, it's the night before that. Okay. Okay. So that's day three. Now, day okay. four, David meets with Wellman and says, I mm-hmm. found your Rolodex yesterday, which is correct. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then Thornton Wellman says to David, Mr. West called in sick today. Today. But he didn't call in sick today. He called in sick yesterday. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) That part of the plot confuses the hell out of me. So I went back three times to work out what (laughs) things were happening on what day. And then, so that's the day he meets with Wellman. And that's the night he goes to Maddie's and he's sitting on her staircase when she comes home. Now, day five is when they go to the warehouse and Phil says, yesterday I went in and 30 guys were going for my job. So right. that makes sense because day four was when, this is where it's so confusing, that's when Wellman thinks that he's called in sick, but he hasn't really, he came in. It's so, mm. It doesn't make any sense. Right. It doesn't right. make any yes. sense because. Yeah, yeah he, the timeline is all off. Yeah, it's all plot. off. Yeah, because he he, mm-hmm. he went in, saw the 30 guys there and as 
walked out, which that makes sense yeah. if that was, he's saying, yeah, he called in sick today, but he really didn't. He's actually called in sick two days, the day before as well. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just thought. Yeah, I'd- no, I, I agree. And yeah, I mean, we can only suppose Wellman, you know, wasn't informed about everything. Who knows? You know, he barely knows who this, that employee is, even though he's worked there for six years and he doesn't seem all clued into everything. You know, many of the plots in Moon Landing have holes. This is one of them on many levels. You can understand it sometimes with the script. They're running late. There's last minute changes. Yeah, They've forgotten exactly. that this happened on this day. They're not going to, you know, and they're trying to get yeah. the, the show on air. <laughs> so. Anyway. And you know what, Grace? They weren't counting on two wonderful ladies doing a detailed podcast <laughs> on the show 30 years later. <laughs> they didn't think we'd be looking that closely. You know, in the 80s, you could get away with it. You couldn't stop, rewind, and look no. again, look again, look again, you know? So, not unless you thought to tape ahead. So we just catch everything now. But yeah, I agree. It'd, it'd be hard to keep track of the plot sometimes with how fast they had to crank these things out, you know? That's right. So Wellman gets really angry now that um, he thinks he wants him to pay twice for phone numbers that were his to begin with. So he thinks he's an accomplice with Phil. He goes, do you really think I would help you deliver extortion money to your accomplice? So he starts Mm -hmm. calling off a security to have him put in jail. And now comes the equivalent of a car chase slapstick running (laughs) and some Mm. really stooges moments and sound. Oh, yeah. Very stooges. Yeah, and did you notice there's one scene where he's running down the corridor and he bashes into these guys that are on the other side of the door and the door comes yeah. off the hinges. Oh, really? Yeah, have I a look at that. it. Watch it again and you'll see that the door mm-hmm. actually comes off the hinges but the scene mm-hmm. cuts so you can't see it. There's some really funny cuts in this scene, especially when he slams the door open and the door shuts again and this poor girl was behind it with paper and she falls down. Yeah. I love that. And she falls down. And really physical things from Bruce and, you know, physical kind of comedy. But one particular, he does this like jump midair. His feet go like two different ways. Yeah, he's just jumping and climbing and running. And he just does this incredible jump. And I wonder this had to be like really coordinated, this scene, you know, with the, uh, yeah, the slapsticky running into each other and all the things that happen. Yeah, with the security guards coming towards him, but he bashes the door against them and then he hits somebody else and then jumps over the girl yeah. at the receptionist's desk. And uh, it's really, yes. really well done, really well timed. Yes, exactly. And I'm sure they had to do it a few times and yeah, had to be very coordinated with them when people had to come in and it all happened so fast. It's an interesting scene. One thing I really hate in this scene, it grosses me out, is when the two people are kissing and he pulls them apart and he kisses the woman on the lips after that man's been kissing her. It's like, <laughs> ew, <laughs> that's gross. <laughs> that's it kind of just gives her a light peck, I think. But And there's a man listening at the door when those two are kissing, you know, with a glass to the door and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like, he reminds me of Eugene in Greece. I know, exactly, exactly, yeah. There's just uh, people popping out from everywhere. He's bashing everybody with doors. Like you said, it's like a car chase, but he's just being chased out of the building. Yeah. And I think I've written here somewhere. I can't find it, but I think I I wrote here, I don't like him kissing somebody else. Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. And I don't like how it happens. Just, yeah, a little weird, but that's all Um, right. And also when Mm -hmm. he jumps on that girl's desk, he says something to Mm -hmm. her, but it's inaudible. So I don't know what he said. And I didn't have the captions on at the time. Mm, Interesting. Didn't notice. Probably something a little naughty, if I know David Addison. 
asked for a number or something like that, probably. I don't know. And then he runs down the stairs and slides down the banister and out the door. Yeah, that was a good stunt. Yeah, I know. Bruce could move back in this day, huh? Yeah, it was fast. And after all that, he got downstairs. I mean, the, the building would have been blocked off by that stage. But anyway, he runs <laughs> out think? the front door and that poor security guard gets on the phone and tells him, no, he's got out. This isn't a stunt person. This is all Bruce, you know? Yes. Yep. Actually, I forgot to mention earlier when they were at the dump and they're walking to the dump and the camera is following them, that definitely looks like his body double. Could have been, except I thought the same thing, except he was pounding the shovel on the ground very much like Bruce would have done in that kind of a boyish, playful way. Yeah, he's just that he's got his head down and his hair looks different. I don't know. Maybe it was just the wind. Who knows? I thought the same thing, but then he was kind of acting like Bruce White might act, you know, where the stunt double doesn't normally act, usually just stands in, but not sure about that one. Okay. All right. So we have the next scene where we have feet out of the elevator. Yes, again. And Maddie is telling Lula Sal about the situation in the next murder you hear about Laura. It's Paul. It's Laura. It's Paul. Oh, I love that. I love that they're referring to a past episode. Yeah, I love that's... that she's thinking of David and she's remembering the fun times, the good times. And it's interesting to see Maddie as a character, like what memories stand out of like so far what they've been through. I love everything about her talking about one of their past cases and remembering all the fun they had and everything that happened on the case. Yeah. And it's nice to see her having a normal conversation with somebody. She's obviously been telling him about different cases they've had in the past with Blue Moon. And mm-hmm. It's bringing up memories for Maddie. All of a sudden, she's feeling different about these cases that they've had in the past, which in the past, she didn't even want to take. It gives me an idea of like when she talks to her mom or dad back home, what she might be telling them like, oh, David and I did this case. And, you know, we were saying, Laura, Paul, Laura, Paul. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's fun for the audience. It's like a recall, you know, recalling back to like past episodes. And yeah, because... Mm. Sometimes these can feel like standalone, you know, here's another episode with another case and stuff like that. It like their whole characters when you refer back to, you know, a memory like you would in real life, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. triggered. It's, it's triggered uh, something in her subconscious. Mm-hmm. That it's interesting. Yeah. Come join our Facebook community at fans of Moonlighting the Podcast and our Instagram community at Moonlighting the Podcast. They enter the office and... She is shocked to find that all her staff are gone and he has replaced her staff with his staff, got a new receptionist, Mm -hmm. and he said DePesto is not front desk material. How rude. (laughs) Says who, Lou? (laughs) Where is she? And she's wanting to know where all her staff are. And he said, what about the others? What others? All the other people who were here this morning. You're worried. Maddie, there's nothing to worry about. They're with our human resources people. Doing what? Training. For what? Success. You know what I wrote here? (laughs) What a bullshit artist. Yep. And Maddie's quickly finding out that everything that he's told her is bullshit. Yeah, like you said, you know, he's just been pushing her out, minimizing her role and trying to get her out of the office so he can take over her company. And he's saying that he's going to live up to his agreements. Right. Then she goes into her office. Oh, my God, I can't deal with this scene where somebody else is sitting at her desk. It's like, no, 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 no. It also shows that Maddie was concerned about the employees. Shows that Maddie has a heart after all. This is where I've written here. It just looks crazy. Someone else sitting in her chair that's not blonde to start with. She's very surprised. And that's when I realized, hang on, what was the agreement? 
Why is she there? Yeah. Why does she think that she's allowed to go into her office? That- well, I think that Luke convinced her that, oh, nothing's going to change, Maddie. You know, it's just that we're going to expand. We're going to grow. We're going to build on what you've already started here. Mm. David could keep his job. You'll still be there as the figurehead. But if that's the case, she's like, well, where do I sit? If I'm the figurehead, mm-hmm. he's got a different idea of what the figurehead is. He's going to use her name, but not use her. Well, he's trying to also to like, oh, they got here early, you know, that it was just uh, some outside agency or something, some outside person coming in and they needed to sit there or something. I didn't get the sense that that was that person's office now. I don't know. Well, that's the new office manager. He needed somebody mm-hmm. on site. So he didn't think right. that that person would be there already. But he is slowly right. diverting the conversation and directing yeah. her to the front door asking what she did before she had to go to the agency and make a buck. And he's walking her slowly, asking her questions. She's answering, well, I used to do this. I used to get up in the morning. I'd have breakfast. I'd go and eat. I'd go shopping. And she did. It's a condescending scene. I know. And, you know, she enjoyed that life because she earned that life. She worked as a model for many years and she was living off her hard-earned wages. But life has changed now. And She's a businesswoman now. She gets up and she goes into the office and she goes to work every day. And I think she's learning that about herself too. She's not that person that used to just take cruises and lounge around, sleep in, wake up, go shopping. She's not that person anymore. And I guess we're seeing how much Maddie has changed. And she's getting the reality that she is a businesswoman and she enjoyed coming into Blue Moon and she's made a big mistake, basically. The reality is hit. The reality that now she has really nothing to do. Because she doesn't know where to go now. She's changed as a person. David has had a lot to do with that. I think he's brought her closer to the ground. Yes. It's a, a big awakening. Yep. But he's walking her towards the door and basically, get out of here, Maddie. Not in so many words, but it's my job to make money for you, Maddie, not to tell you how to spend it. And he closes the door on her. And they she's- push in on a very tired looking symbol there. No, very and tired she's looking. so lost in this scene. She's really lost. Somebody's closed a door on her. She's in a doorway. Nobody else is there. It's just her. And yeah. she's just pretty much lost her agency. And now she's like, well, what do I do now? I don't think she could go back to her old life. No, she's moved on from that. She's not that same person anymore. And maybe this mm. is what this episode is showing us yeah. showing her. She's not the person that could go back to just kind of Eh, sleeping in, shopping, going on cruises and, you know. And you're right. This is the scene where they go close up and she's wearing that eyeliner and and she's got bags under her eyes. And unfortunately, she's looking tired in this scene. Sorry, Sybil. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> well, I think she knew that at the time as well, you know. I mean, we saw the toll that all of these hours took on her over the years, you know. All right. So the next scene, she comes home. It's a lonely scene, her in the dark coming mm, yeah, home and she's alone again. And yeah, she stands there yeah. contemplating for a little while. Reminding me of a trip to the moon when she comes in the door kind of just like this too. And she leans against the door. Yes. Maybe it's something Maddie did often. Just a dark kind of lonely house, you know. And she walks towards the staircase and mm-hmm. David surprises her by saying, One more step, I'm a soprano. <laughs> How does he get in, Shauna? How does he get in? I want to know. I yeah, want to how know. did he get in? I want to know. Maybe he went up to the second store balcony and undid her, you know, how he, he gets in it in witness. I don't know. Like we say, when David Addison wants to get in there, he does. Yeah. And when we want him to get in there, he doesn't. So he starts telling her about his day. 
he says, how did things go at corporate headquarters? And she's saying, well, they're trying to figure out what to do with the figurehead. <laughs> and this is when they talk at the same time and they both laugh. Mm-hmm. And I think they got a bit out of character here. Do you agree? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of Sybil and Bruce as well. Yeah. Quite a pair, aren't we? I think I, think I made, made a mistake, a David. Mistake. I'll never understand. How did we do this? Yes, I think it's a very sweet scene between the two of them. I think uh, they're really looking at each other with some endearing eyes. You just want them to talk like that all the time. I think it's just telling and endearing of David that he goes to Maddie's house. He's always kind of seeking her out when he's excited, when he's lost, when he needs to talk to somebody. You know, he always goes to Maddie. But they're both very vulnerable here. I guess that's the key word. They talk around things so much. They don't listen to each other a lot because they're talking at the same time, kind of like in knowing her when they're both trying to say something, but neither one is listening, you know, Mm. but here they kind of have to strip back and actually listen to each other and um, actually be honest. They both thought they could do it without the other move on, be successful. They don't need each other, but they really find out that they do need each other. They're a team. Yeah. And they're at their lowest in this episode together. They meet up. They've separated. Mm. They've met up again, and they're in the same place, not physically, but metaphorically. They're at their lowest. What do I do now? They're both lost without the other. Yeah. They're better together. This scene on the staircase is one of my favorite scenes between the characters because they are so vulnerable, and they are like in the same place, metaphorically, like you said, and they're at their low, and they have to come back together to make it work. And it's a great way to reflect that to show that they need each other and Mm -hmm. let's fix this. Let's fix this now. Uh She offers to work for him. She wants to help. He doesn't understand why. She said, well, you did it for me. She wants to help him clear up the Wellman thing. And then she does a great imitation of him from an Mm -hmm. earlier scene. I want to work for you, David. I want to help. Why would you want to do that? You did it for me. It's my turn. Let me help. Let me get you started. Let me work with you to clear up the Wellman thing. Why? Why would you want to do that? Because I see what you don't. Because I see what you can't. That you've only begun to hit your stride. That the best is yet to come. That, 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 You're that, hired. I am? <laughs> yeah. They're very smiley and they're happy again. And You know what? When smile. he smiles after she has said that, I reckon that's <laughs> him smiling. It's Bruce. I know. I think that sometimes, you know, this is why I think Moonlighting is so appealing to the fans, long-term fans, is because real life bled into the screen. And, you know, I think this is a a moment in time now that we know more about what was going on, you know, outside of filming, where they weren't always getting along, but sometimes they would come together and really, really get along. I get the sense that they needed a break from each other. They weren't getting along that well, and they're both tired. But when they do a scene like this, you're seeing Bruce and you're seeing Sylvia, you're seeing the real people bleed into the characters. And I think that's why we, you know, one thing that's so appealing about Moonlighting, because like reality and fiction were often mixed. I think it shows more in the slower scenes, which is what this one is. Mm -hmm. And when she smiles and turns away from him, that's, yeah, a knowing like Sybil look too. I think it's a makeup scene almost for Sybil and Bruce here, you know. As Sybil would say, that's a Daisy Miller look. Daisy Miller. Mm -hmm. That look was a Daisy Miller look. A little bit. Now he says, okay, I'm always, I'm always wondering here. Mm -hmm. He'll meet her right by that couch in the morning. Mm -hmm. Does he stay over and sleep on the couch? Well, this is what I don't get. 
in last week's episode, it was like, yeah, you better, you know, you better, I better, yeah, you better. Yeah. Oh, no, that mm-hmm. was Rainbow, Rainbow. Um, Rainbow, yeah. But in this scene, he doesn't even ask permission. It was just assumed that he was staying over because they're going to sort out the Wellman thing in the morning. That's what I thought. That, see, okay, I, I thought you were going to say, no, 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 I think he went home. From him saying that, from him but being kind of lost, finding solace at Maddie's house and with Maddie, them deciding to work together again. Tomorrow they need to like start bright and early to solve this case. He was headed towards her living room, right? He was going to stay over. Yeah, yeah. No, I think he definitely yeah. stayed over. Okay, all right. I thought you'd be like, no, I don't think so. All right. We're on the same page on that one. <laughs> so really, Maddie goes up and like sleeps in a room and David's sleeping on the couch. So <laughs> interesting thoughts. David slept over there before, just on the couch. I'll meet you by that couch first thing in the morning. First thing. Maddie. It was a nice ending to the scene, how he thanks her and yeah. he walks up the stairs. Yeah. Yes, I like it. How she didn't go downstairs in the middle of the night and jump him, I don't know. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> she just goes to sleep upstairs while David's sleeping on the couch downstairs. That's so funny. So David had spent the night in her house before they had actually slept together. Mm. Oops. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> in later episodes. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Okay, I'll, I'll have to uh let that one marinate a little bit. <laughs> mm, I'll have to sit on that one for a while. David's sleeping downstairs. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Maddie has a lot of restraint, doesn't she, Grace? She sure does. I don't get her. I just don't get her sometimes. (laughs) God, if that was me, far out. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, get two of those roaring fires going and (laughs) let's go. (laughs) Get get your little teddy on, Maddie. And geez. All right. Okay. We digress. We digress. Let's get our minds out of the gutter here. We always go down to the gutter, Grace. We <laughs> well, we love our David. That's why. <laughs> I know. And we love our Bruce. So they all blend together in our world. Oh, I reckon. Okay. So next morning we arrive at the warehouse because that's where the ransom note said that the money had to be dropped. And then <laughs> this is where the conversations are getting back to normal. So, you know, are you having some oh, yeah. about the yeah. new position? Me on top. Does it feel as good to you as it does to me? I know. <laughs> she just looks oh, at it. 
He's yeah. like, no, me boss, you employee. The so ad said travel, exotic locales. That's right. She plays along with it. Have a second thoughts? About what? About the new position. What new position? Me on top. Feels good to use, it does to me. What are you thinking of? I am talking about me boss, you employee, that new position. It's too early to tell. Help wanted ads said something about lots of travel, exotic locales. And then Phil yeah. comes out from behind the pole with a gun. Whoa. Uh-huh. And David thinks they're buddies, so he starts walking towards them at first. He's holding a gun and a lighter, by the way. Is that a lighter? He's holding a gun and a lighter because later he says, take one more step forward and I'll torch them all. I'll torch torch these or something. So in case he wants to burn some of the, which is really funny, in case he wants to burn some of the Relodex papers or cards. Okay, because that was one of my questions, because when Mm -hmm. he gets all nervous and drops them, there's like four or five things that drop on the ground. And I thought they were bullets. I wasn't sure what he was holding at first either. I was like, is that a lighter? Because he, he had his thumb mm. on it, you know. But it makes a lot of noise when he drops it. So a lighter wouldn't go clink, 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 clink. So Well, like Zippo lighters and, and things like that. I don't think it was a Zippo, but some lighter. It looked like a metal lighter. Anyway, not like plastic like today. You need to listen it to it like- with your AirPods, Shauna. Okay. <laughs> Well, I know he had a lighter because he's saying that he's going to torch. He's going to torch torch the cards. Yeah. Which is actually pretty. It's it's funny. The comedy of it is very funny if you think about it. Yeah, it's so funny. You know, I've got two tools, you know, it's funny. Yeah. And it's quite clear that he can't handle the gun. Oh, yeah. I mean, he has no skill with a gun. Does the kid know what's what or what? Mr. Addison, does the kid know what's what or what? (laughs) And Sybil's outfit. The purple, yes, worn in. She's already worn it. Oh, you're the expert with the outfits, Shauna. You tell me where she wore it in um, the next murder you hear. Ah, uh, yes. When she's saying Paul, Laura, Paul, Laura. When they go at the end, she's wearing that yep. purple outfit. That's good. I'm glad she's reusing her outfits. Waste not, want not. Like you said, it's more authentic. Yeah. So Phil is wondering who Maddie is. Is she your boss? Is she the one you called ungrateful? And that's when they mm-hmm. do the no, yes at the same time again. No. Yes. A lot of things have happened since then, Phil. Mm-hmm. But David wants to know why. What's what's going on? So Phil explains that he went to work yesterday. There were 30 guys lined up for his job. And then he remembered what David said about some guys wouldn't be so nice. Then I thought of something you said. You said that a lot of guys who came across numbers like these wouldn't be so nice. They'd sell them or hold them for ransom. You said that. I said that. But David breaks the news to him and says, Wellman's already got you pegged as the number snapper. <laughs> and I like how Phil goes and he's shaking and he's like, all right. Okay. I can live with that. But I've got a plan. I've got my hostages all over town. I got my hostages all over town. Hostages? Yeah. I separated them. The P's in one place, the Q's in another. I spread them all out. I got the M's with me. And then he moves the direction of the gun and drops what I thought were bullets, but, you know, let's just say it's the lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anybody moves, I'll torch them. And this mm-hmm. is the famous blooper scene. We'll tell Wellman. He's right, Phil. Come with us. We'll tell Wellman we rescued you and the cards from the extortionist who sent that note. Not only will you get your job back, but you'll look like a hero. And we won't look too bad either. <laughs> come with us, Phil. We'll come with tell us, Wellman. Uh, yeah. this is like, come with us, Phil. We'll tell Wellman. We rescued. He couldn't say we rescued. He kept saying we, we rescued. It's a lot of W's. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's hard to say. We'll tell Wellman we rescued. We rescued. Yeah, we rescued. Yeah. It's hard to say. It I'll is. Bruce that. Yeah. But, but um, because we know the blooper, if you watch Sybil's face, she's 
really like rooting for Bruce to get through that line. You know, you can see her doing it with him in her mind. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Yes. Yeah. And her reaction when she gets the line too. The relief of it. She's doing everything to stop herself from going, yeah, you got it. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Yeah. She's got to continue on the scene and not blow it now on her part. You know, that's right. Phil, I know we don't know each other, but you don't look like an extortionist to me. You look just like a nice man who's a little distraught. You ought to take a minute and cool down. She's right, Phil. Come with us. We'll tell Wellman we rescued you and the... You just seem like a very nice man who's a little distraught. You ought to take a minute and cool down. She's right, Phil. Stay right there. I got it, I got it. She's right, Phil. Come with us. We'll tell Wellman we rescue. Stay there, stay there. She's right. Don't smile. I'm sorry. So David has an idea to tell Wellman that they rescued you and the cards from the extortionist and you'll look like a hero and the agency won't look bad either. He goes, give me the M's. What do you say? Give me the M's. Ed Meese, who's on top? I'll take Ed. Give me Madonna. Nobody's going to want her number next year anyway. (laughs) No one's going to want her number in a year, which is really funny as well. Yes. Boy, were you wrong, David. He was wrong on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I don't know whether you noticed this scene. I call it the big W scene because Phil goes, what if he doesn't believe me? Maddie goes, who cares if you don't get your job back? If Wellman won't give you a job back, I will. Yeah. I mean, he will. Won't he? Phil goes, would he? And David goes, (laughs) well. And then Phil goes, wow. So the whole scene (laughs) is all W words. If Wellman won't hire you back, I will. I mean, we will. I mean, he will. Woody? Woody? Well, wow. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> they were it's, torturing the actors, I think. I, I think Glenn's torturing the actors with all these W's. So good. Yes. <laughs> Hard to say all that, but they did such a good job. We hope you're enjoying listening to Moonlighting the podcast. And for all you devoted Moonlighting fans out there, we now have Moonlighting merchandise. Check it out at redbubble.com slash people slash moonpod2016. It's all getting exciting now. we got the trumpet music. The three of them walk into the building, heads held high on their way to Wellman's office, thinking Wellman is mm-hmm. going to hand over a check for the Rolodex and the business is going to be inundated with clients for Addison Investigations. So he mentions Addison yeah. Investigations here. A man oh, yeah. like Wellman is the magnet that attracts more steel, the honey that attracts more bees, the carcass that attracts the vultures. <laughs> I don't understand when Maddie says, I've always wanted a carcass. As Phil goes, why? And they just look at each other. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. This is the beginning of a whole new day, Dawning. Everywhere you look, you're going to see happy detectives detecting, inquisitive flatfoots flatfooting, private dicks, dick. <laughs> and he <laughs> and stops. Then, <laughs> and then the elevator closes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. But Bruce actually stopped saying it. They should have like cut the audio, but you know, the elevator closes and he stops saying it, but it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. He actually, sticking. Yeah. That's right. He actually stops. Yep. 
Yeah, but I love the marching band music as they walk down the corridor. Oh, and, yeah. And this is where he says, Addison and Associates have got the goods. He says Associates in this. Uh, uh-huh. That's all right. Drink that second cup of coffee. Your jobs are secure. Addison and Associates have got the goods. <laughs> so right. it goes up and back. <laughs> oh, I know. Anyway, so mm-hmm. they almost get to Wellman's office and Lula Sal blocks their way. Mm-hmm. Tells them he's had Wellman as a client for 10 years. And a retainer is the way to go because on the way in, David is saying, how much should we charge for getting the Rolodex back? And obviously he heard that. I like how they've done this because David walks backwards towards him so that he's already in position when Lou LaSalle comes up to him. Yeah, kind of backed right into him. And this just shows how pompous these people are because Lou LaSalle says to Phil, it's nice to finally meet you. Has he not met Phil before? Maybe not. I mean, he just worked in, in the office. Doesn't mean that he dealt with Lula Sal before. Mm. He's been there six years and he does the security and everything. Anyway, so yeah. I just put that as a question. How has he not met yeah. Phil? David starts spinning a story about how he rescued Phil with a grenade in his hand and <laughs> saved the victim. Yeah. What do I do? Save the victim or annihilate the criminals? Don't know if I did the right mm-hmm. thing. So Lou is now feeling very threatened and has a proposition. And David said, well, I'd like to help you, but we have the Wellman account now. How does he think that he's got the Wellman account? Is he that confident that they would have the Wellman account just because they've got the Rolodex back? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. He really felt threatened and saying, okay, well, he doesn't want to lose Wellman as a client. So how about if I give you back your agency, the one you've been moping about? That's when David pipes in and says, I call all the shots, Phil. I like how he does this, too. He just looks straight ahead and says, Give him the Rolodex, Phil. David, I said I wanted to work for you, and I meant it. I said I wanted to help you, Give him the Rolodex, Phil. But do you know what you're doing? I know. I'm getting back Ms. DePesto and an empty waiting room and a worthless client list and my second-class status. I know. And that's when Maddie says, Oh, and that's okay with you? And he says, Well, you know what Doris Day says. K Sarah Sarah. Which was a famous song by Doris Day called K Sarah Sarah, which is in one of my favorite movies of all time called The Man Who Knew Too Much, which is an Alfred Hitchcock movie. I've actually got a poster of it on my wall in my living room. Mm-hmm. You've got to watch it. The Man Who Knew Too Much with Jimmy Stewart and Doris Day. And it's a really beautiful scene when she sings this song because the son has been kidnapped and they arrive at this building where they know that he's actually upstairs in this building and they're at this party and they ask her to sing. So she sings this song, which she always sang with her son when he was younger and they used to sing it together. They asked her to sing, so she starts singing it, plays the piano and she starts singing it louder and louder and louder until he can hear her upstairs. And then he starts whistling and the rest you have to watch the movie, but it's a, it's a great scene. Okay. Yeah. Well, basically, they kind of turn it all back around to Lou's going to give Maddie back her agency. And David, you know, kind of puts himself back in the position of working for Maddie again. And Blue Moon kind of being back intact. And it's kind of all wrapped up with a nice little bow, isn't it? So Blue Moon is back and Maddie's boss again. And all, you know, magically goes back to normal and TV time in the 49 minutes they have for the episode. Um, (laughs) The thing that I really hate about the very end is how David just walks away without Maddie. Yes. 
I find that a really strange scene. Yeah. First of all, he says, Phil, make sure you ask him to double your salary, get a key to the executive, John. Make sure you get a park in the building. And if you cave in, we're coming back to get you. Similar to the scene with Kathleen Kilpatrick when he's given her advice at the airport. And then they walk off. He walks off without her, turns back and looks at a woman. I hate that. It's like, David, I know that's David, but trying to think about what to make of Maddie looking back. Surely she wasn't having second thoughts of getting the agency back. No, I know. Um, it, it almost leaves it like that, like she might be having second thoughts. Maybe she's just kind of looking at the end of that that chapter, like what, what almost was, you know? But yeah, David just like charging off without her, looking at another woman. And yeah, I mean, it was just like so rude of him anyway. Just leave her trailing behind and she just kind of like follows after him like kind of slowly, you know? I would have rather them walked off the way they are, but him have his arm around her or something. They should have walked off together because they're like partners again. Mm. I didn't get that. Bruce in that last scene was looking a bit tired again, looking a bit green almost, you know? Mm. Yeah, I think they were like wiped out by this episode, you know? We are back at Blue Moon. He's back in his office. He puts Flyman back in his Rolodex and Maddie enters with a package for him. Business cards that he ordered for Addison Investigations. And she said offices in Rome. <laughs> Rome, New York. Home of the Rome Apple. Yeah. Rome, New York. And I love how she says, hiya, boss. And he says, hiya, boss. You know, and I think uh, Sybil's very flirty in this scene. It's a little bit of a Sybil and Bruce flirt more than a Maddie David. You know, they both say it to each other because they were both each other's bosses. How he says it is very, like, yeah, very sexy. Like, mm. Yeah, she walks in. They're having really nice conversation, no fighting. It's an unusual scene when, you know what, because we're not used to them being nice to each other, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. No, says, not too much. I like how he says it's an old company gone out of business. It got swallowed up by a bigger, better agency. And she said, oh, friendly takeover? No doubt about it. She laughs. I love it. She does that laugh like she does in dream sequence. Yeah, um, friendly takeover. Yeah. There is a goof in this scene. Have you noticed it? No. Okay. If you look at Maddie throughout the episode, she's wearing her watch on her left wrist. In this scene, for some reason, she is wearing a bangle on her left wrist and the watch on her right wrist. Now, there's a cut where a left arm bends down to grab one of his business cards out of the bin. Mm, Yeah. And this arm has Mm. the watch on its left wrist. Mm. But this scene, Mm. her great. Yeah. So in this scene though, her watch is on her right wrist. So that was Mm. a very good catch. And also earlier on, Maddie's got her back to the camera, which is obviously her body double. And then you've got Bruce in the background the body double bends down just a tad to pick up the card, whereas she would have had uh-huh. to bend right down. Yeah. <laughs> Good catch. Good catches. It's a nice ending to the scene. She starts to walk out with a business card. Where are you going with that? Thought I'd hold on to it for a while. Why? You know, yeah. a girl needs to know that she has someone to call. I think they're back to appreciating each other in this last scene. Yeah, it's good. It's cute. It's a good ending for the episode. And he puts on his beautiful smile and then it ends on Maddie. Mm -hmm. They just leave us wanting even more. Yes, more to come, more to come. 
Um, just quickly, I did not mention Sid Conrad. He's Thornton Wellman, born in 1923, mm-hmm. and he's known for King Kong in 1976, The Young and the mm. Restless, 1973, Chicago Hope, 1994, and unfortunately he passed away in 2010 at age 86. His career goes back to 1963 where he starred in General Hospital. He was in Days of Our Lives for many years as well. He did a stint in Young and the Restless played Lou in ER and he was Ed Ramsey in West Wing, which I remember that episode in 2001. And then the last thing he did was in 2009 and that was Sid Conrad. So he's an accomplished actor as well. Yeah, very. The other person I didn't mention was Mindy Iden and she was the receptionist that took over Agnes's job. Mm. She did a lot of TV commercials. She did TV commercial for Budweiser, Silly Posturepedic, No Nonsense Pantyhose, American Airlines, Diet Coke. She's an actress known for Dreamscape in 1984, TJ Hooker in 82, and Remington Steel in 82 as well. Wow, go figure. And she worked at Disney World as a face character and was a finalist for Ambassador of Disney World. She was also one of Barker's beauties on The Price is Right, 1993. How funny. So that's Mindy Iden. Great. All right. Well... That was a good episode. The plot was a bit misplaced. I enjoy watching it. It's not a go-to episode, but I do enjoy watching it. It's got a fancy breakfast at Blue Moon, door slamming. It's just an episode about a Rolodex, a powerful banker, a trip to the dump, to the dump, 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 a dorky executive with a gun, the sale of Blue Moon, David starting his own agency, David sleeping over Maddie's house, Mm. another ransom note, David being on top, Um, a slapstick chase, David kissing another woman, David being wrong about Madonna, David calling the Pope and calling Ronald Reagan, and David packing and unpacking his fly man. His fly man. (laughs) Well, it was an action-packed episode when you put it all that way. I would have liked it if you just stopped at it. was an episode about a Rolodex. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, two roller decks, a big one and a little one. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's true. Yeah, cute episode, good moments. We don't get enough Maddie and David scenes, but the ones that we do get are good, good moments. Yeah, they were nice tender moments as well. I like that scene on the staircase. Um, yeah, it's great. Some smiles, you get a breakfast, you get the banter, you get the innuendos. You know, we want every scene with Maddie and David, but if we can't have that, then at least give us quality. And they did, they gave us some quality scenes, you know, a fight, door slams, all of that stuff, him showing up at our house a couple of times, all the things we love. All the things we love. Absolutely. Good way to put it, Shauna. Well, let me guess. This is not in your top 10. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, it's not in my top 10. I do enjoy watching it, as I always say, because I enjoy watching Moonlighting, but I could not put this episode in my top 10, possibly because (laughs) I know that they're not in the same room together and there's very few scenes with them in the same shot and there's long scenes with guest stars and it's Mm. just too obvious to me, too obvious. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate yeah. the workload that was put on them. So I understand that, mm-hmm. but it's not a go-to episode, no. Yeah, I agree. It is a good episode. Some quality scenes with Maddie and David. Some of my favorite, you know, one of my favorite moments with them on the staircase. 
Yeah, of course, the more we watch it, the more we analyze, the more we see that they weren't in the same room together when they're doing these scenes, which is disappointing. A lot of filler with the guest star, long scenes, where the guest star should really just be a background, a whole background story, Does not taking over for Maddie and David. Definitely don't want to see someone filling the role of Maddie, sitting in the car and having to be coaxed out and all the things he does with Maddie. Don't want to see him kissing someone else. The scene in the bar and the scene at the dump. I'm never going to be able to say the word dump again. I'm going to start singing. Um, But (laughs) those two scenes go for five minutes each. So they're really long Mm -hmm. scenes with a guest star. And like I said, after the opening scene, we don't see Maddie and David again together in the same room for 20 minutes. Yeah. And that's too long for moonlighting. That's a long time. So not in either of our top tens. No surprise there. No. How many door slams did you count? Four. Excellent. I got four too. Yay. So there was a door slam when he finds out she's going to sell the agency. Uh, He slams his office. Then Maddie enters his office and slams the door. Then David slams after they have a fight in his office and leaves. And then David slams when leaving Maddie's house. So there's four door slams. Yeah. What about outfit changes? How many outfit changes? Six. Six. Correct. I got that too. Very good. In the intro, she's wearing her white suit. Out for dinner with Lula Sal. It's a different outfit. Mm-hmm. Teddy, when David uh, wakes her up, wearing a pink suit when he's packing and a purple lilac, I'm not sure what color it is, suit at the warehouse and then the beige suit in the final scene. And I thought six outfit changes for this episode was a lot. Yeah. I mean, for this, yeah, for this episode when we're not even seeing her that much, you know, she was in a lot of different outfits. Because, um, so far with the outfit changes, yeah, the biggest outfit change obviously is dream sequence. The next one after that is rainbow. Rainbow, she had eight. Oh, yeah. And then this one must be up there as well with six. And I had two feet out of the elevator. Would that be correct, Shauna? That is correct. Yes. Not okay. even just feet. We got legs. Yes, we got legs as well. We got, oh, gee, we got spoiled in this episode. Sure did. So moonlighting stats so far. We have 38 door slams. We have nine feet out of the elevator. We sang hi ho. We have 7.5 rhymes from Agnes. And the music featured was hi ho and leaving on your mind by Patsy Klein. And we had six outfit changes. And that's true. The um, William Tell Overture. I didn't like that. <laughs> William Tell Overture, yeah. Oh, my God, there's so much to take note. I can't do No, there's so much to keep track of. And I will get back to counting all the outfit changes because we only started counting the outfit changes from Brother Kim Spare Blonde. I'll collate that information for our next episode, which mm-hmm. is Shauna. Well, you know what, Grace? We're already up to December 1985, and this aired on December 10th. The next episode is the Christmas episode. Twas the episode before Christmas. I love this episode. It's our first um, holiday episode for Moonlighting. Yeah, and it's the first time we see behind the scenes. What a great, great, great moment in TV. I think it's a beautiful moment. moment. brought the whole team together. Bruce and Sybil seem together. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, we get some very good hand holding there and kissing. Yeah. And from I, them, from yeah. them, not characters, them. Yeah. And a moment that's like so unique because it will never, ever happen again like that on TV, not in today's world. 
No. Not Christmas and singing the first Noel and all that stuff. So something very unique. Yeah. You get a glimpse of behind the scenes and all of that. So yeah, really cool moment in TV history, I think, on that one. For sure. Season two, episode 10, Twas the Episode Before Christmas, directed by Peter Werner, and it aired just before Christmas on the 17th of December, 1985, and it was written by Glenn. I enjoy watching the scene where all the cast and crew and their family gather together to sing the Christmas hymn, and you see Peter Werner, you see Jay Daniel, you see uh, the Mm -hmm. Mandelbergs, you know, it's... It's really lovely yeah. to see the people in the background that did all this hard work to put this wonderful show together. So thank yes. you to cast and crew. Yeah, we see Clementine, Sybil's daughter, and it's just fun to even just um, when they pan, we'll talk about it next week, but when they pan around and um, you can see just even the behind the scenes and how they had Christmas tree out there and stuff like that. Yeah, it's really cool. So we will definitely getting, be talking. Yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We really want to talk about it. I know. We're, we're just ready to go right into the next episode, Grace. We can't stop. <laughs> it's now time for Moonlight Mail. A couple of friends of mine, gosh, that I've known for 20 plus years, just recently have both sent me messages about the podcast that they've been listening. So one friend is my friend Jerima. He lives in Texas. And he's been listening to the podcast and he wanted the link to YouTube to watch some of the episodes and been listening on his drives after he watches the episodes each week and said, you know, he just really likes the podcast is really entertaining, gets him laughing. He's known me since I was about 16 years old or something like that. And he's like, oh, you sound so mature. And it's just nice to know that he's listening. So hi, Jerima. And another shout out is to my friend DJ, who bought all of the Moonlighting episodes himself just so he could watch one by one and then listen to the podcast. And he just loves the deep dive that we do on each episode. And, you know, these are people that may have seen Moonlighting in the past when it aired once in a while, but that they're just coming back to the show because of the podcast. They're friends, but they don't have to do that. So I think it's just great that they have gotten into the show or back into the show. They're taking the time to watch it. They're listening to the podcast episodes and really liking what we're doing and liking the deep dive that we do and all the detail that we go into. So I just got some really good feedback from some friends of mine, which I think is just so nice. And so thank you, Jerima. And thank you, DJ, for listening and appreciating and taking the time to listen and watch and revisit Moonlighting. There's a lot of people out there that have heard of Moonlighting, remember it was on, maybe watched one or two episodes, never really got into it, but have got into it now. And we've got a lot of young fans too that have started watching along and then listening to the podcast. We've got a whole new generation watching Moonlighting now, which is just terrific. And we're really happy about that. It doesn't have to be us, not oldies, but you know. (laughs) Yeah, not just the original people who watch the show. And we do hear a lot and it's great from people who we don't know and we get letters and reviews and things like that. But it's great to hear from friends as well that they've been just supporting it, you know, and and downloading and watching the show and that they're interested. Just makes me happy that they're interested in what we're doing. So yeah, thanks to all of our Moonlighting fans on Instagram and Facebook, but thanks to old friends who are supporting what we're doing as well. So yeah, that's uh, DJ out in Seattle. Thanks, Deej and Andrema in Texas. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. That's terrific. That's great that they've reached out to give you some feedback about it. That's what we Mm. love. Yeah, it's really sweet to hear that. 
they're a little bit behind. So it'll be a while before they hear that, but <laughs> it'll, it'll be a little message to them <laughs> once they finally get to the episodes. Yeah, because our episodes aren't short. I try and shorten them as much as I can, but <laughs> yeah, we often get emails from people saying, oh, you didn't mention this or you didn't mention that, but it's possible I did, it's possible I didn't, but the thing is that uh, I really need to chop down the episode because they're way uh, too long. That's true. And there's certain that's things true. that have that's to be true. sacrificed and end up on the editing floor, and Artie mm-hmm. and Mandelberg would understand that. <laughs> And today, Grace, we have done a terrible job of editing ourselves because we have talked for well over four hours. <laughs> How am oh I going to edit? Gosh. This is going to drive me insane. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know, I'm already feeling bad for you on the editing. That's okay. And just, just when we thought we were getting better, we thought that we were getting more succinct. And I think we need the time pressure of me like having to work at the end of it or something because mm-hmm. that gets us moving along and finishing within like three hours. Now we've gone like four and a half, you know. I yeah. enjoy, I enjoy. got to get it all out there, you know. We've only got one shot at all of these pretty much. That's right. I just want to say to the Moonlighting fans, thank you so much for your all your support so far. We really appreciate all the things you do. We love you all so much. And um, I just want to thank the people that have donated so far and also to the people that have emailed and also the Moonlighting fans that have purchased some Moonlighting merchandise. We're slowly adding more images and quotes from the show. We do this with so much passion and it does take a lot of time to put it all together. But if we can just cover our production costs, that's all we really want. As you're probably well aware, a lot of podcasters are not monetarily compensated, but we really appreciate all the Moonlighting fans that have supported us in so many different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the ongoing support just encourages us to keep going. And we are very happy that I think we're hitting on some merchandise that people like. We've gotten a lot more purchases from some of the quotes and some of the more unique images from the show that we put on our Redbubble site, which is MoonPod 2016 on Redbubble. So buy yourself a shirt was one of the great quotes. If there's a quote that you like and you don't see it on the merchandise, let us know. We can always add. Anyway, yeah, we've got some new images out there that I think people are really excited about. We've made more sales than ever, and we've gotten more donations, and we've gotten more support in so many ways. So I think that just is the feedback we need to keep us going, that we're on the right track, and people like what we're doing. So yeah, thanks, everybody. I really want people to wear a lot of moonlighting stuff, so somebody will come up to you and say, what is that? Or what's that quote? What's that from? And it'll start a conversation. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. Yeah. The hats, the t-shirts, like you said, a tote bag starts conversation, reminds people of moonlighting. And that's happened to me you know, recently. I was at a book fair the other day and I was wearing a hat with the moonlighting logo on it. And someone was like, oh my God, moonlighting. What, where do I remember that from? And I reminded them of the show and told them about the podcast. And she was going to go straight to YouTube and find the episodes and start watching again and listen to the podcast. So yeah, wearing the merchandise definitely, you know, starts conversations about moonlighting and reminds people that it's out there. And, you know, that's what we want to do. We want to spread the word and get people talking about the show again so we can get it streaming and get it to a whole new audience. And those are our goals. Hashtag stream moonlighting. Stream moonlighting. Hashtag stream moonlighting. I mean, Grace and I are never going to get rich off this. We're only trying to add to the community and spread the word. So any way that you can support us buying merchandise, making a small donation or anything like that, it's greatly appreciated and helps. We love you guys. Love you, Moonies. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to Moonlighting Moonlighting the Podcast. podcast.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.